Hey everybody, Coach Jonathan here with a quick update before we dive into today's special episode. It was recorded off-site at Kona, and as a result, you'll notice that the audio sounds a bit different, but hopefully it shouldn't cause any issues for y'all. The other update that I wanted to give you is, of course, that coming up very soon, that's going to be Saturday, November 4th, we have a live podcast recording. You can join us live in person, ask your questions, but most importantly, we're going to be interviewing Matt Fitzgerald, the endurance sports writer. He wrote a book called How Bad Do You Want It that we've talked about a ton on the podcast, and that's what we're going to get into, the psychology of performance. So how to use your mind to get more out of your body when you train. So you can join us for that in San Francisco, California. California. That's going to be at the Rafa Cycle Club in San Francisco. And we're even going to do a group ride thereafter, go up and climb Mount Tam, weather pending, and explore a bit of Marin County. It's going to be a no-drop ride. It's going to be awesome. We're going to have some food for y'all, some drinks. Uh, They have a cafe right there. Awesome location. Awesome guest. Matt Fitzgerald should be able to provide a huge amount of insight. So please join us. That's Saturday, November 4th at the Rafa Cycle Club in San Francisco. Thanks, everybody. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to the podcast that's dedicated to making you a faster cyclist, the Ask a Cycling Coach podcast presented by Trainer Road. We're here in Kona still with our head coach, Chad Zimmerman. Hi, everybody. Our CEO, Nate Pearson. Hello. And another special guest, a return special guest, Matt Lieto. What's up, man? Hey, guys. Uh, On the very unofficial poll that I ran, I basically just polled myself. I think that you're, I think that you're my favorite uh, favorite guest we've had, man. You delivered last time. Oh, awesome! Yeah, no I'm, pressure. I'm, I must have had stories to tell or something. <laughs> Sorry, everybody else. It's yeah. been on. It was also kind of the vibe in the room that day. Was we <laughs> literally just had somebody else on? I don't know if you can still hear you. <laughs> no, it was great though. You delivered. You delivered last year. Um, you delivered so many actionable takeaways and insights on triathlon, especially tactics that. I just had no, and maybe it's just me because I was ignorant prior to this. No, we were all impressed. But I was, I, it was I mostly, like, mostly BS. Okay, that's kind of what I'm good at. <laughs> nice. Okay. To be a decent commentator, you got to have a high level of BS. So. so that's what you do for people that don't know, professional triathlete, but also you're a commentator? Yeah, I commentate uh, all the Ironman, kind of the bigger events. So I'm here to commentate world championships this weekend. Okay, cool. Uh, makes sense. And then uh, also you are, you've been doing, we've seen you at a bunch of different events. I feel like you've, like we've, we should have talked about our plans because they're pretty much the same plans. What, you've been doing a bunch of other events outside of triathlon too. Yeah. What have, what have you done this year? Um, last couple of years I've, I mean, I've always not just done triathlon. Uh, I've done road racing. Like I've done some NRC races and I've done Xterra's in the past. Um, the last couple years i've had fun traveling around with my roommate doing a couple gravel grinders and this year i you know put my put some lofty goals kind of in that department and uh traveled for some bigger ones um and did uh the triple crown uh by uh, sierra sierra trail butte stewardship um so three kind of big races that are not things that a triathlete normally does lost and founds yep uh, Downeyville, yeah, which is definitely terrifying. something that usually don't. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, like honestly, terrifying. That was yeah. like the, I basically did the triple crown so that I would be forced to do Downeyville. Okay, yeah. and uh, my roommates done Downeyville a bunch, and like I've heard so many stories. I always wanted to go and like just be a part of it because it sounded a lot like like a wildflower triathlon, just a genuine like old school event. Yeah, uh, and it was definitely that, and I was stoked I did because it forced me to do something I wasn't comfortable with like at all like it was fairly terrifying and uh yeah but it was a fun deal do you feel like that makes you uh, a better triathlete 
It's uh, interesting yeah. because like it's it's something that usually triathletes like just don't even touch, right? And it's like you mentioned uh, that that it, Downingville was terrifying, but I mean a lot of triathletes like like bike handling is is a weakness just because they don't usually have to focus on it a whole lot. So yeah. does this stuff make you a better triathlete? Uh, I don't know if it makes you a better triathlete. It makes you a better athlete. And I'm definitely on a kick where it's, especially in like kind of my coaching practice that, uh, the reason we start doing any of this is because of adventure. Right. And then like hit the like fast forward button on me and my first adventure in triathlon. And all I've done is triathlon for 14 to 15 years. Right. Like that's not very adventurous. It's kind of the same (laughs) thing all the time. Right. And I've taken me great places. I've had a great time and you know, I've done it for a living, but so for me, it's kind of stretching yourself and doing something that maybe you didn't think you could do. And certainly like the first time down, uh, the run at Downeyville was yeah. terrifying. <laughs> and, uh, but it was, I like, I, I cleaned it every time and I cleaned it during the race. Um, and I'm definitely a better mountain biker than I was. And I'm definitely more confident, uh, as a dirt cyclist from it, but uh, I feel like I did some cool stuff this summer where right. sometimes in tri- if I'm just doing triathlon, I don't necessarily feel that way. We glossed over something. You see, you keep saying your roommate, but can you remind everyone who your roommate is? Oh, mm. uh, sorry. My roommate's Carl Decker. I don't want to fanboy on him too much, but <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's uh, pretty you know, famous. Yeah. Been one of my best buddies for a bunch of years and uh, lived off and on with him for um, a few. And uh, it's funny because I feel like I'm a, I would refer to myself as a terrible dirt cyclist <laughs> and, and mountain biker, but it's often because I'll ride with those with Carl and those guys, and I'm terrible compared to them, but they're really good. Right? Yeah, you're so, not like, terrible though. Like you're 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 legit. Yeah, so. I don't I don't I wouldn't say I'm legit, <laughs> but I'm I, I'm reasonable compared to maybe some triathletes I might be. But it's uh it's been a lot of fun, and I learn a lot from those guys. So, so I got to ask from someone who's a good mountain biker. I mean, you just are. You can't argue that. What made Downeyville so terrifying? Um. It is, I mean, if you've been around or heard about it, it's, uh, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a cross big air quotes. You can't see me, but huge air quotes. There's a cross country event on Saturday and that's the event that I did, but it still has like, is it like a 17 mile downhill or something? Yeah. I think it's, it's, it's punctuated, but it's pretty much 17 miles of down. And then, and the next day is a downhill (laughs) And it's the same court. Like there's an extra like mile and a half or something. Yeah, and they yeah. cut out like some climbing, but it's the same thing. And uh, that's kind of the all mountain event. They do both. And uh, I'm stoked I didn't do the all mountain event this year only because it'll force me to go back and, and, okay. and try it again next year. But um, it's mostly downhill. Uh, it's not really, there is a climb to start. And I had a mechanical that kind of voided out uh, that my strength being the climb. So it's, uh, it, it's mostly super rocky, gnarly downhill. And like, it's not like, there's nothing like cruxy or super technical, mm-hmm. but it's super rowdy. There's like a section of baby heads. That's like a K long. Yeah. That's kind of gnarly. Like, <laughs> I was fast. Yeah. I was really scared going into it. <laughs> um, but if you just kind of let loose, you can get over it. And I think anybody can ride the course, but it's fairly intimidating as you go down. What, what bike did you, what bike did you have? Um, I had a hand-me-down Frankenstein bike from Carl, um, nice. and, uh, have, have, I'm working on an upgrade now, uh, but it was the giant, giant Anthem aluminum version of kind of the new bike that they've got out. Um, nice. and it was, yeah, it was super, super fun. It was sweet. And having Carl around, like, you know, tire choice and, you know, all that stuff I, it was pretty sad. Let's talk about that. What did Carl tell you which tires to run? Uh, well, I rode different tires than Carl. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. but... For sure. Because he's better, right? 
He is a better. Bit, a yeah, bit. he's a lot better. <laughs> and they, he has to think in the all mountain race more about what tires are going to be best for both days. Yeah, can I share something really yeah, quick on this? So this yeah. event has something really unique. You have to use the same bike, and it gets weighed those days, both days, and it has to weigh exactly the same. So like you can't change the tires for, for on the cross country day to the downhill day. You can't change any of that. Do they actually note your tire selection or they just do, they weight? just weigh the bike. Okay. And, and you would get you, yeah. yeah, you would get like torn up if you tried to, like, I don't think anybody like the vibe of that race, yeah. nobody's going to try that. You probably um, get, you wouldn't get lynched, I, but it's, it's kind of got that old Western vibe of accountability, you know, but it's, it's pretty cool. Cause you have to kind of choose your weapon. Uh, I think back in the day, maybe there were more guys that would do like more of a all mountain bike. But now I think those guys are all cross country bikes. It was funny at Granduro, Kabush and, and Decker. And a few of us were talking about like trying to make the triple count the same thing. Like you had to use the same bike for all three. That would you know? be awesome. Cause Carl used a mountain bike actually in the, f- the first and the last event. Yeah. Um, so kind of mix those things up, but to answer your question. I used like the biggest tires I've used. I used a magic Mary on the front. That's a that's a gnarly downhill tire yeah. from Schwalbe. Almost it's like some, a go ahead. Yeah, it's something a little less. I can't remember the name. Nobby Nick, maybe? Nobby Nick. Yeah, yeah, I think on the rear. Mm-hmm. Um, and what was crazy to me that I didn't realize is how much difference tires make like having a, a gnarly tire. Like I had a I had a giant trance that I actually just got rid of. Cause I had, you know, I wanted, like I did the blitz to the barrel race as well this year, which okay. is uh, also for me kind of gnarly Yeah, yeah. and like racing guys. Like I raced a couple like Olympians, and got, <laughs> uh, but I got my ass kicked, but there was drinking at the end. So I like moved up a couple <laughs> spots. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Um, that, that race you finish, you ride on a golf course, you finish and you have to pound a beer to be the first one to finish. Right. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so I got hemorrhage time <laughs> the whole race till the golf course section <laughs> and the beer section and, uh, you know, still finished way, way back. But anyway, so I had a bigger bike for that and I was riding a bigger bike kind of all year because for me mountain biking is more of a mental thing right like especially in bend like trails that i know i have trouble with Mm. if i know something gnarly's coming i like will just like yelp and get off right where if i have a bigger bike or if i'm riding a trail that i've never ridden before behind somebody i'll ride it every time until like i know that it's sketchy and then i'll go back and i'll crash or something until it hurts you yeah exactly (laughs) um but so point being with those big tires if felt the same as riding that bigger bike totally. like have you had that experience yeah well? yeah it's 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 almost like i mean i mean nate experienced that too stepping up in tires almost feels like you've stepped up the capabilities of your bike overall totally. and i know that yeah. sounds logical here but it really does make it feel like a different bike yeah so i just i'm building up a, a kona hey hey right now and i'm gonna build it up with uh some eastern race wheels but i'll also get a set of training wheels and just have bigger tires on it that's what i have got a bigger bike yeah actually just recently talked about that is getting a cheap set of training wheels with some gnarly tires especially for me yeah and i can do some of these other um we have north star in our area and some other things that i'm not so worried about rolling resistance just to build up my confidence yeah and Mm -hmm. get through it on the big beefy tires oh totally work my way back to faster tires you know you know what i've found is that uh so riding when i train i ride with my gnarlier tires and what i've found is that it gives me this ability to level up my ability my my speed and my confidence on stuff so i end up doing things that i wouldn't otherwise do and then what happens is i switch back to the race tires i have like a few moments of bambi on ice you know where like i'm like getting used to the slippery tires but then after that i still retain the high level of skill i want to be clear it's not like i'm pushing it over the limits i just was able to because my bike was more capable i was able to reach a new level of comfort and then when i go back on those tires 
I can respect the limits of those tires, but I can still retain a lot of those benefits. Yeah, and for sure. And if you're on a, a set of training wheels, like a lot of it is like a lot of the, uh, da- the what made Downeyville doable for me was just letting off the brakes and just letting the bike do the work, right? Yeah. And if you've got your nice race wheels, maybe isn't the best idea <laughs> yeah. to do that all the time. I never have once thought like, oh my gosh, am I hurt my bike? Yeah. It's all <laughs> I might hurt myself. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, it's me. <laughs> yeah. That's hilarious. Do you do anything to like go get through that fear of uh, riding downhill? Um, on the dirt, yeah. Uh, uh, I just try to, I try to, realize that it's it is in my head and like i've ridden behind good guys enough and with those guys on purpose not telling me what's coming like riding through stuff that's technical that's just reactionary that i know i have the skills um that i just try to go back to that and rely on that and the biggest thing is speed like downeyville dude if that course was one and a half percent lower grade mm-hmm. it would be so much worse right but at any point you can just let off your brakes and roll through stuff so i think that's a lot of it for me it's making sure i have more speed and to uh i've been riding long enough and technically savvy enough that i know that my kind of innate skills are going to get through something as long as it's not like super gnarly but most of the stuff like it's just i see a pile of rocks i used to train with a buddy who after a winter of riding with me used to call me the rock because every time i'd see a rock i'd like get off and walk around but if you look at but if you look at but if you look at the rock if if you think of that rock and that gradient and that angle being dirt most of the time you'd ride it or me at least but if you see it as a rock you're like oh scary it's a rock but in the end it has more traction yeah, it's right. even better. It's true. It just hurts more. We had uh, Lee McCormick on the podcast, and he came out and taught us how to mountain bike. And one thing he said is that um, smart people have less, or dumb people have more fun about getting in that flow state. And when you overthink it, yeah. that's when everything goes bad. And it's I, totally true. It sounds like sometimes you try to overthink it, but when you don't think about it. Yeah. And some of that for me, it's uh, like dropper seat post is sweet for that. And Amazing. like... And going in Durbro, even though the Endurbro <laughs> scene is pretty silly, yeah. like you put on baggies and a silly shirt and a backpack or a fanny pack. Fanny packs. Fanny, uh, excuse me, they're called shuttle packs. <laughs> Durbros would be yeah. very mine's, mine's definitely a yeah. fanny pack. Endurbros uh, <laughs> are offended by a lot of things. They but, are. <laughs> um, yeah. I, for me, it flips like a switch, and it's like I'm not training, I'm playing. And it's like the old days when I'd go to BMX track or go fuddle around town with buddies, like I'm out to ride my bike and learn something new. Right. So I think that kind of loosens you up as well. Yeah. That's, you know, I've been impressed seeing, uh, seeing all the, the wide variety of events you do. I mean, there are, there are guys like you mentioned earlier, Jeff Kabush, we've had him on the podcast before, you know, your roommate, Carl, yeah. a lot of people do a wide variety of events, but I think you might be Matt, you might be one of the most well-rounded cyclist because think about it who else is doing triathlon too like this is true i yeah. mean we've got another cyclist has said he's coming in a triathlon world oh, yes uh, we do Talansky. mr Talansky. yeah um but uh yeah i mean there's not triathletes are it's stereotypical that we're bad bike handlers and in most cases that's true um uh, but for me i was kind of i felt like i was a cyclist first and i certainly enjoy cycling more than anything else and you know if i would have been at a athletic state a few years earlier and known more about cycling, I probably would have tried to go into cycling. Not that I, I have the skill to be at like the top level there, but um, I never have to motivate myself to ride a bike, maybe different bikes. Like my TT bike, I've ridden four times this year. Once was in a race 
and I uh, was able to win the race after that. I was like, okay, nice. that's maybe enough. Um, but hoping to, you know, do another road try later in the season. But, um, yeah, for me again, like I was saying, it's, uh, you need to keep the adventure and keep the challenge. And like, I, to me, I'd never get scared for doing triathlons or nervous or anxious, but before Downeyville and before Tusher, um, and before Grinduro, I was, I had anxiety for sure. And that's sweet. That's how, you know, you're pushing yourself. Why yeah. did you have anxiety at Grinduro? So, um, and can we define what Grinduro is yes. first? So well, let's add to it. Yeah, 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 of course. Well, it's, it's unique. Please. It <laughs> is very unique. Um, and I didn't know you guys were there. You must've been avoiding me or you must not have been partying we as late as I was. <laughs> did you drive in the morning and then leave that night? Yeah. We, oh, okay. And we had problems. So, Okay. You we tell did, what it we, is and we'll describe it. It's, it's, it's like an hour from Reno. So yeah. yeah, yeah, totally. Um, Team chat. It was like eight hours for me. And it's definitely like, what's cool about Grinduro is where I think a lot of things are going and kind of where I want to go and, and coaching and, and participating in events where it is about adventure and it's about time with friends. And I mean, if I look back at my triathlon career, it's going to be looking at the friendships I made, the training camps I did and that, right? It's, you know, there might be a couple like, exclamation points with certain results but certainly most of what i'm going to remember is all that stuff outside of actual racing so grinduro is a party night before night after and then kind of during the race so what what grinduro is it's uh, a, a blend of gravel racing and uh uh enduro racing like can you endur- explain like an enduro format yeah, how so, it's scored or ran yeah so enduro and mountain biking it's a uh, you know there's you, you don't necessarily do a loop. This race, you do a loop, but basically you have to transfer yourself to a zone um, that's not timed. The transfer is not timed, but then there's a certain section of a route that is timed and only those sections are timed. So you can go as slow as you want um, getting to that time zone, and then you have to go as fast as you can. Within so, reason. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, within reason. Grinduro, I don't think there was any cutoff. Yeah, they had time cuts printed, but I doubt they enforced them, right? No, I don't yeah. think so. And yeah. so at Grinduro, basically you did this... It was out near where Lost and Found was, and you did this seven, I think, sixty-five or seventy-mile loop that had, in the end, I think it was nine thousand feet of climbing. Yeah, so six, pretty gnarly loop. Miles. Yeah. So with my thirty-four twenty-eight smallest gear was like, <laughs> I, I might have set a KOM on one of the transfer stages <laughs> just because I had started to get with up. all the dudes, and I was like, "Sorry guys, I'm out." Like I had to sprint up every steep section. Oh, that, just, that would have been brutal. Yeah. They said the whole time they were just looking for my cleat prints because there's no <laughs> way that I was gonna make it all the way up. But, anyways, so in that 70 miles, there was only I don't know the mileage, but it was about 40. Carl I think did 40 minutes of racing, and I did like whatever 45 minutes of racing, um, and the first there basically there was timing mats um that you had to ride to um and within those timing mats that's when it was timed right so the first one was a three mile hill climb or it was like it was only one mile yeah seemed like more (laughs) dude it did seem like more super steep like i was geared out in a 34 28 yeah um on dirt yes Mm -hmm. yeah for sure with 40s and good pressure but so a seven minute stage the second stage was a downhill gravel stage that was like 10 to 15 minutes depending how how fast you were um and then the third stage was a road group stage uh you you know it was all draft legal so to speak yeah that was the only one where we had advantage which we let a group go with Ted King and like 30 other dudes. Oh, and, man. And like we gave them 20 seconds. And it was basically because I was trying to help Carl and uh, Jeff, to, Carl specifically, to try to make sure he was in the right spot to win that race because they were really tight for the Triple Crown. Yeah. And uh, so I had to kind of watch those guys. And we bridged up to Ted's group. And it was 
like we got like halfway across the gap we're like oh my this is way harder than that's that that's ted man that's it was, ted's just yeah. a diesel that's for sure how long and was I, that stretch what's that how long was that stretch uh six miles i think that's about right okay. it wasn't too long yeah it was like 12 minutes or something but like yeah. full on um yeah. and then the last stage was uh like a 12 13 minute downhill single track like pretty rowdy pretty rowdy single track and you know bike choice and tire choice was important but so in the end it was a five-hour day with like our average watts were were fairly high for the day but the racing segments was you know only 40 minutes but it was super fun that last section it was my first ride on second ride on a a disc braked cross bike that i've set up for gravel was a, a kona super jake yeah and it's super sweet the my my first run down the day before was terrifying because i had so much braking power <laughs> um Rip, that, yeah disc brakes are just dude it's crazy it's so like you bad. actually brake when you want to instead of <laughs> 10 seconds before every corner yeah so exactly. i felt like i was like air quotes sending it yeah. uh i'm certainly i'm sure it wasn't but it's yeah. it's fun and the reason i didn't get disc brakes on a cross bike before is because you can go super fast but in the end you're on a road bike with big tires yeah exactly that that event i think you know i i didn't get to do that event you you two did um why didn't you do it knee knee issues i almost don't want to go into it depresses me this is like your one of your top events of the year yeah 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 i was like really looking forward to it It it's gonna be really fun because it's just it wasn't that much fun yeah (laughs) just kidding it was super fun it was my favorite race of the year yeah i it's it's definitely one i want to do and and i i know that descent uh pretty well too dude how Uh, fun is that on a have you done that on a full suspension i have and it's three times longer than that section and it's even better up high oh really it's just so good the transfer had some of that upper section in it and that was definitely smoother it's a cool race and i think i think more racing could benefit from taking on this way because i feel like for the way that a lot of people train and the way that a lot of people ride when they're just out with their friends and everything else like i feel like it jives pretty well in the sense that it's it's like you get to spots and people hammer it and then and then you know you that adds up over the day and and then yeah but we undoubtedly missed the mark though because we showed up day of did the race and then in my case just bolted afterward because i was tired and i crashed at the end but we didn't do the pre-party we didn't do the post-party we didn't really do any of the interim party and i don't know because you were probably a little bit behind although you guys probably saw the squid crew out there because they started like 25 minutes late too, and Let's, they took forever. Okay. <laughs> okay, sorry. It's been a lot better. <laughs> What's going on right now? Okay. So the first thing is uh, um, the 2018 Crux does not hold a 45C tire in the back. So somebody at work put it on, and I asked for the 37. I thought they put on the 45. But yeah. anyways, I had to get my tire changed. They started to change it when the race started. Oh, no. So then we were and 30 minutes seat, behind. So it wasn't like a quick slam dunk change. And we're yeah, and you're not rolling. running tubes on that race for sure. Exactly. Yeah. So we had to wait until the sun came up to warm up the tire and then it's heated. So that's another, that's a, a good takeaway. So is you guys were fairly high maintenance. Right we there. were very high maintenance. <laughs> you, you keep saying we. And then we, <laughs> we started and uh, we got through the first section, the first hill climb, the, the, the minute hill climb. And uh, after that, Chad goes, oh, my disc brakes rubbing. I'm going to go. Uh, go up to the next station to get a mechanic to help me. 
Yeah. I'll see you there. There's some more high maintenance. There's a mm-hmm. we on that Actually, one. Actually, <laughs> there is and there isn't because <laughs> there, there wasn't anybody. There were, there were no mechanics at that first aid station. No. So I just rode on and eventually I heard a little tink and something fell out. So something was wedged in there. It okay. wasn't rubbing after all. The Probably rest a little rock. The rest of my day pads. was damn near perfect. So, so I, I, um, I think the cool thing about- Convenient bro- that you had something rubbing on your brake on the climb. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it magically <laughs> popped out. Seriously, <laughs> everybody who I was near could hear it. I mean, <laughs> from a mile away. It was pretty obnoxious, but I don't think it was slowing me down. So I'm not gonna play that card <laughs> so grinduro is so cool because really like we're all like all of us could do the race together i can invite my wife we could do the race like totally. you, right I, a pro athlete and my wife who's just new to it we could do it just yeah. transfer all together then at the the time stages go together yeah and and but, then you can collect after the exactly the end of the and that's basically what we did we had a group of like the probably 20 of us that were camping near each other and we all just kind of waited at the top and yeah it was fun it's really great for like friends to do that but in my situation i found out something that chad doesn't like me too much because i never saw him at all after the race (laughs) he told me he goes oh i I was kind of uh not getting i was uh i was kind of warm but i was losing it so i just decided to go on you guys tell me what etiquette is on waiting at an aid station because past 20 minutes i feel like i should be able to leave and yeah, I, I mean, I feel I like it. maybe before the race is a good time to talk about this. <laughs> Probably, <laughs> you know. I mean, <laughs> that's fair. Dude, there's a you were hurt. I could see in your eyes. You're you're like legitimately well, hurt. It was kind of boring. I was just like, <laughs> it was kind of boring. It was it's boring for me as well. I was yeah. so I was what happened lonely. is at the first aid station, I was actually yeah. waiting for Chad because I thought, well, maybe I missed him and he had a mechanical, right? And so I was waiting for him to come. You don't want to leave your buddy behind. I, exactly. <laughs> I, so I was thinking I because he said like 20 minutes let's wait for you at the next aid station that you, got, you guys there. are I think that you guys are both two very caring people you had your best the other's best interests in okay. mind for all I knew he crashed and he was being like care flown out of there so he was like whatever <laughs> I could have spent my day at that aid station <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome that yeah like as far as I know he's I hope he would have like, out. yeah I mean <laughs> I think your, back down your biggest back. problem was starting late a good rule of thumb with enduro is is ju- it's just like when you line up at the start of any race. It's no different. You want to line up with the people that you expect to be with throughout the day. Yeah. And it's and it, that's enduro and that since it uses the same format, it helps with grinduro. Now mistakes happen and, and and mechanicals happen and that that's one thing for sure. But it really does help uh, to line up. And even for example. For a thing like Grinduro, let's say we know that Nate is going to do really well on the rolling stage. Uh, we might know Chad's going to, and just throwing this out, Chad's going to do really well on the you know the descending gravel road stage. I might do well on the single track stage. You can even set different people up like rabbits down the trail, do everything else. Like there's, There is a lot of strategy that you can use with your own group as far as how, which order you guys go through on this. And it it can make these days that are just going to be fun regardless, but you can also use it to make your racing more, you know, just more effective. Yeah, you, yeah absolutely. And that's what, that's what I did throughout it. And uh, yeah. most of the time, like the top 10, 15 guys all at least were riding around each other for a lot of it, not necessarily starting each stage because that's a tactic too. Like I was talking with Jeff of like, oh man, we should like literally go hide in the bushes, like <laughs> past where the start is. Yeah, yeah. And then as people go through the start, be like, oh, hey, yeah, we're yeah. behind you. Now we're going to try to catch you. Like, <laughs> nice. Yeah, so you can kind of play games like that. I, I wasn't going to mention this, but now I feel a little bit attacked from Chad. <laughs> On the, the first mile climb, just put this in perspective, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was closer to Matt's time than to Chad's time. Uh-huh. Okay, are we going to, yeah. what, what was your time? <laughs> now My, Matt's getting yeah. drugged. Yeah, no, Matt's Matt, getting messy. Matt was uh, 6.58. <laughs> Okay. I was 7.56, and Chad was uh, 9.17. Yeah, I couldn't have been I think they slower. adjusted the times again. There was yeah, a little had, bit of a scandal. They had timing issues. Can we, can There's no way I was that much slower. I mean, I think we can. Do I don't we have enough get, information to cover it? I don't know, man. All I know is that 
the numbers did not add up to those dudes dying. Yeah, yeah. I pushed hard enough that there was there was not that big a margin the, between apparently us. Apparently, um, they had some timing issues and uh, they couldn't resolve them. Uh, I, all right, they didn't know what was going on. Then they ended up are resolved. You, are and, you guys you saying know, the so. time that I beat Chad? You guys are like, <laughs> no, nah, the timing. No, your guys is probably fine. I'm just, you're, you're throwing out different numbers than I had at the finish. I think I was like seven minutes or something. Seven before. minutes. I had eight oh three when I crossed the line. Oh, okay. So it is a little bit. Okay. And Chad didn't use his Garmin on it. See, the, that's the difference. No, I, that is originally Carl had won by five seconds. Interesting. There we are. And there was they, the leaders tied, which it, is it did not. They did not. How do you tie? tie. This is, the results are to a tenth of a second. <laughs> I they, know, right? How they added up the way it is now. It added up to. Uh, an exact tie to the tenth of a second. Wow! <laughs> but by the stage results that they had up, and like me and Jeff added those things up like twenty-five times, it did not Didn't come up, up to a tie. Oh, the actual adding wasn't right. Yeah. So some. But yes, you. Hey, great job on that climb. You were close. <laughs> I still smoked you though, right? You did. Okay. But you're a pro. So one thing too to say about this is that the Strava results, the Strava segments, didn't line up with this year's segments. No, no. So on Strava, I was like ten minutes or something on that climb. Right. So um, I'll yeah, talk about another strategy. Yeah, please. Stage three. Okay. The rolling road race. Yeah. So that one, I also smoked Chad by a lot. But you this, must have been with a fast group. That's yeah. why. I was right. I was all by my lonesome. <laughs> so yeah. the, no, this is a good strategy thing. Is maybe I, you I should, maybe you should have waited, Chad. <laughs> I had an accidental <laughs> maybe. I, exactly. Right. <laughs> I have an accidental strategy thing, and then I got a story. So first, accidental accidental strategy is. Yeah. Uh, when I was there, I, I uh, well, two, this is before that, I changed my tire pressure before each stage. Yeah. Because on, well, yeah. right? I started with really high because it was uphill. Mm-hmm. And then on the first one was a big downhill fire road. And I, I let out a lot of air pressure. And you did too, Matt? Uh, no, I did the, I did intended to do the opposite. I had a little lower pressure for the climb for traction uh-huh. um, because it was steep enough and I was geared out. That makes sense. Because um, you probably spent some time out of the saddle. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh, most of it. And yeah. I had better gearing than you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, totally. And then on the my intent was to put air in my tires, but the pump that they had at that station, all it did was let air out. It's horrible. It was terrible. And they're like, oh, so you got to... I'm like, dude, I know how to use a pump. Yeah. <laughs> but basically, I let... I was at 30, so I had way too low in the rear. So, I, mm. But there was a bunch of rocks, a bunch of guys flattered on that stage. Mm. So I actually put more air in the downhill stages because... Uh, I think there's probably a saying among mountain bikers that a clean race is a fast race. That's that's what they say. Yeah. yeah. So, so I had more pressure on the downhills. So the before the third stage, which is a, it's on the road and it's rolling, um, I was there and just luckily I saw this huge group roll out yeah. and I said, oh, I'm going to get in this. And I couldn't clip into my, my cleats. Here we go. And I'm like, what the hell can I not clip into my cleats? And I pulled over and I had a rock in my shoe. Oh, no. So the group's like 30 seconds ahead of me. They crossed. And um, they weren't going fast enough where I could actually bridge up to them. But I was thinking in my head, I've just put 30 seconds on all these people because I bridged up. And I, I heard what you were just saying. Was that, were you, is that what you guys were trying to do too, is give them a bit of a lead and then bridge up and then get drafted in? Yes. Um, but also, those guys were all eyeballing each other to make sure that they, like Jeff mm-hmm. even sandbagged us by like two seconds mm-hmm. um, and got Clever. a little bit of a time, which is <laughs> when you've got a group of like literally... Ted was trying to get all the fast guys and the horsepower in that group. Yeah. And I think he thought that like he wanted me in that group too, but I yeah. like kind of hit the brakes to make sure I was with those guys. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we got 20 seconds because of it. And I ended up high up in that stage because of that, but it was 
touch and go like it was really close to not making the group clever so just like you'll see with your friend that's really annoying that cares about strava too much (laughs) that every time you're group riding he sags off the back before you start a segment it's actually it gets into results with dude boswell used to do that and he did that one year tour california and this is when he was like 20 and we used to train together and bend and they're like uh you know you hear i think it was phil liggett or whatever being like oh the young american's struggling in the team cars like he's way in the back in the yeah, back yeah. of the cars and then as soon as the climb from Dega Bay starts Ian's just attacking through the group <laughs> he's going for the Strava Dude, segment getting Strava segments <laughs> ending, up in a tour break, California. ending up in a breakaway <laughs> with these like Strava segments and I think That's it was funny. him and at the end he said him and like Lawrence and Dam were like sandbagging each other <laughs> off the back of the group. The <laughs> that is funny. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. So I get in this group and there's mixed ability levels like this far back in the race. A yep. lot of mountain bikes and cross riders. Yeah. And a lot of people I don't think have ridden in groups like that that fast. And we're going fast, like lots of 30 mile per hour. I think I hit almost 40 somewhere in there. Wow. Yeah. There's um, somebody in the middle in, on a tandem bike uh, like two adults. So, so, before we go any further, we should clarify: it is okay to ride pretty much any two-wheeled contraption, or perhaps even three-wheeled. I don't even know if they would shut it down, but probably not. And and the fact that since you have like rolling road stages, a climbing dirt stage, a downhill fire road, and a single track one, you can kind of you can get by with picking a mountain bike if you do a few things to it. You so, can get by with picking a road bike if you do a few things to it, or a I cross mount, bike. I rode a mountain bike, hardtail mountain bike. With yeah, that might have been that might have been the call. Yeah. The, the downhill was fun. And the intent here was to have fun. I mean, yeah, that totally. is the driving force. And you were on your cross bike in a medley of riders. Yeah, okay. Coming so back to where you were. Everyone interrupt me. <laughs> okay, coming back now. Okay, you go, you go. <laughs> There's also a mountain biker in there who's like uh, not enough gearing and just spinning at like 140 RPM in the back, like yeah. trying to go in. Yeah. So the guy on the, um, on the tandem bike, the second guy, we're going probably 30, between 30 and 40. He decides to pick up both hands off the handlebars and raise and do a selfie in the middle of the pack that's going that speed. <laughs> yeah. Everyone freaks out. As, as you should. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's immediately like the screeching of brakes and everyone going, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. Um, was it the on the tandem you said? Yes. Was it, was, it the guy in the back? It was the guy in the back. The, oh, he yeah. doesn't need to steer. He's yeah, good. He's good. Yeah. That's probably uh, his you guys job. Need you guys need it. to chill out. He's probably just, he's probably selfie guy. That's like his job. <laughs> just before this, <laughs> that's, that's why I took a tandem. All steer, you take <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, just before this, and this is another group pack etiquette thing. There was a guy in front of me, and he decides to do a uh, snot rocket. Yeah, yeah. But he doesn't pull out. Yeah. Of the group. Oh, he just exactly. does it right in the group. That's, I get, a, that's a tactic, right? There. I get sprayed all over my glasses. Oh man. So I'm tailgunning too because I'm like this group's kind of sketchy. After right. the tandem thing. I go, okay, I'm going to go in the front, and I actually attack off the front. because, uh, Actually, no, I didn't attack yet. I went to the side. Okay, so did you, we're talking about group etiquette. Yeah. Did you take any pulls before this attack? No. It was hard to move up. <laughs> <laughs> Just making sure. No, I wasn't. There was like probably 30 people. Okay, yeah. Um, right after that, you hear the, the horrible sound of screeching brakes and somebody going down. Oh. Like, oh. So you could hear, I mean, go, is that a crash? And people are like, I think that's a crash. Good thing you got out of there. And that's and uh, that was right. It was in the back where I was. Yeah. And then I attacked. Yeah. And I um it actually I attacked with like one k to go. I didn't even know. Yeah. So I already had to put twenty seconds on people, and then I put another like I don't know. I, I think I stopped two hundred meters before, and some uh, like three other guys caught me, but uh the guy that fell in the back broke his collarbone and his wrist. Oh. And yeah. I was right there, but it just it's the uh it's just you could sense it in the group, right? Like yeah. before I was like, this yeah. is sketch. Absolutely. And this is why I was not super keen on getting up to the group in front of me. Not only would I have to bury myself to get up there, but once I did, I wasn't, I wasn't just the idea of riding with people a, a very 
Totally. And the, you know, wide ranging the, the point of people mountain biking and spinning out, like that was a sketchy part, especially when we were trying to bridge across, we had mountain bikers and like, fortunately in our group and guys riding that hard, basically as soon as they could tell they were geared out, they'd like put their hand up and just pull over to the side. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, Robert. if you're riding at 150 RPMs and your heart rate's jack, like you're not in a yeah. great, great spot. And just, I know you guys are going to say this is all BS, but <laughs> on this stage, uh, Matt, you did 1157 and I did a 1302. So it's actually about just a minute slower than you on that one. Good. Yeah. And of all my, uh, I'm better at rolling flat. Yeah, yeah, sure. Because I'm bigger. Because you're you big dude. Last minute breakaway. And Chad did a uh, 1807. <laughs> Ooh, snap. Ooh. Did, you, did you stop for snacks or anything? <laughs> I was. I did eat. And I, and I, I, by this point in the race, I was kind of past that. That this was a competition. I was yeah, by yeah. myself. Yeah, I, I wasn't motivated anymore. So all I wanted to do was get to the finish without cramping because of late I've had some battles with cramps and I just yeah. wanted to see if I could go for five or six hours without cramping. So That's my, my goals shifted over the course of these. Cool. But yeah, I dig it. Trials. What I really wanted was for Jonathan. I wish you were there too. Yeah. And I really want to see how the three of us could have gone yeah. because I think we could have gone faster than my group did. That would have been a different day. Three of us yeah. pushing. Yeah. Especially Very if we had good. one more dude who was really fast named Matt Lieto, we would have like, uh, yeah, see when we were talking we about like, packing jeff is all about like oh hey maybe if we pack road tubes or road tires and after you, the second stage you can change tires. them out because yeah. Yeah. it's not timed in the transitions oh. yeah but i saw people to, they had extra tires at oh, stations totally. you could change mm. yeah yeah um that would be risky i still don't think i think kind of what we did is probably the best play and like gap let a group go and try to catch up but doing i think three and four man groups it's just not as fast this that this is what's cool about this type of racing, and I could see it. I could see it being applied across road racing. I could see it, and it's already, of course, in mountain biking. But I could see it just, you know, kind of permeating all different disciplines of riding. It's yeah. it's got a lot of fun strategy to it. It's got a group element to it or a solo element to it. It's equipment side of things is kind of like a it's a wild card situation. It's pretty cool. Do you want to talk about the last segment really quick? It was just yeah, single track sucked. descent. <laughs> Dude, it was super fun. <laughs> okay, so, so fun. yeah, it, it was. Was it crowded where you guys were? No, it sucked because uh, there. I think there was. I don't know if there was a timing mat in the middle, but. There was a, something timing with wires, and I asked some people, I said, hey, is this is the section over? Some EMTs are like, yep, the section's over for you. And I was like, cool. And there was a spot where you roll over some rocks, and I didn't roll over. I stopped, and some guys were like, oh, do it. So they're like, okay, and I stopped, and I went back. I thought the <laughs> yeah. section was already done. It yeah. wasn't done. No, and I actually had to put my foot down on that section because I tried to ride it, and I got kick left. And oh. guys, Somebody broke their collarbone in that section, too. Oh, and these guys are yelling at me to ride it? Yeah, I, I mean, mo- a lot of people wrote it, and you should write it if you're going fast, because basically you stop, and then there was yeah. like uh, 200 meters. Of I, and on faster. a cross bike, maybe it was a question, but on a mountain bike, it just blew right through. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's and that I that, what a cool event to have single track, road, gravel yeah. up, gravel down. Now, did you drop your saddle? Yeah. I, oh, that's another thing I would do is bet- I had a dropper post anyways, but between the oh, stages, oh, oh, sweet. I would actually take out my Allen wrench, drop my saddle all the way down. And then, um, so, so you if get I more drop out of it, exactly. So I could, I could still pedal. If I had it extended, I could pedal some, but I could also drop it all the way to the frame on certain sections too, like because a lot of mountain these, bike. what be like mountain bike low, like, uh, like downhill low. Yeah, How much travel do you have on your sea trapper? 
who was it 80 millimeters it like 100 millimeters i 100 think millimeters? on ours huh. so it's not not a ton of drop yeah. um because it's a, you're limited by the diameter of the yeah, seat sure. post right yeah. and and that's your six six so you have a really tall bike and a tall seat tube and everything else and top tube junction's really high the last section would have been so much fun on a mountain bike but mm-hmm. again like this is a cross bike so that cross bike helped on the first stage and on the third stage but on this one there were so many braking bumps that I literally like going through some of the stuff. I lost my vision. It was shaking so much my head. <laughs> Dude, it was super rowdy. Yeah, it was super rowdy, and I couldn't yeah. see. So uh, I just kept thinking like this would be fun on a mountain bike. Yeah, I mean, and I dropped my seat an inch and a half, and I think that helped a ton because you could still sit and pedal in those fast sections. But just yeah. getting it a little bit out of the way really does go. Yeah. What, it helps what kind of tires did you use? Uh, I was running the Schwabby ones, the forties, um, and I think probably down the road, just a uh, file tread gravel tire. Um, try to run maybe something a little bit bigger. I mean, those will take, uh, like a 27.5, um, with, I think he said two one. Yeah. Um, so maybe down the road do that if I can find some cheap, cheap wheels to do that on. But I mean, I think they're, I think the, a tire like that's sweet. Cause it, all right. It, it kind of, I think it's slippery and it slips through some of those, uh, yeah. those sharper rocks. I mean, cause that a lot of that day was, there were way better riders there that I think were pushing with knobby tires that fly. I mean, I ended up 10th overall, which is I think ridiculous, but it is, you know, having a clean run. And I think having that kind of tire helped me out, but, um, we got to talk about the results everyone cares about okay. Chad versus me. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And this is where Chad said he gave up. Yeah. That's why I beat him on those stages. He wasn't trying. shifted my, my objectives. And, um, <laughs> that is great. I didn't know where the stage actually ended. <laughs> shifted my, that's, that's awesome, Chad. Yeah, that's some mental gymnastics right there. <laughs> write, that, write that down. <laughs> but I know where the stage was. Anyways, we ended up where Chad beat me by a minute. And on oh, this wow. podcast, Chad always beats me. Um, it was that last <laughs> descent. The yeah. last descent, I took 19 minutes, and Chad took 13 minutes. Oh, and oh wow! And yeah. Chad crashed just before the timing belt. Oh, so yeah. that little water crossing, I went. I tried to go straight. My bike tried to go sideways, and then I just piled on top of it. It was ugly. It yeah. looked really. Easy, and then I lay right? on the ground cramping. It did, but like I rode it the day before, and well, I didn't ride it. I walked over it, but it's it wasn't on a cross bike. It certainly wasn't, and on a hardtail mountain bike, it wasn't like guaranteed. No, it definitely was not. Yeah. And I literally, I saw, <laughs> as made evident, <laughs> I saw the uh, water crossing and I thought in my head, you've made it this far. You shouldn't crash now and hurt yourself. So I got off my bike and walked because I like yeah. mile 60. I wish something. I made that call. Like, right yeah. at the end. It's right there at the and end. And then Chad goes, I crashed there. So grind duro, these enduro style formats, look for them to hopefully come out in some more races. That would be awesome. Totally. Uh, and fun. I feel like this was kind of like a guide on that. One thing that we wanted to talk to you about, or actually a couple... Before I move on, yeah. one question. <laughs> Do you feel that being a triathlete benefits you in any way on these type of, these varied events that you've done? Like di- being a triathlete, any skills that you have from that, um, is it a relative advantage in any way? Or just uh, the conditioning? Maybe conditioning. I think in races like Tusher and like Lost and Found maybe last year where it wasn't, there was more climbing and less technical aspects. Both long gravel races and traditionally Exactly. And like Tusher had probably, I think the last 90 minutes I was in my 34, 28, like at 50 RPMs, like it's super hard. It's gnarly. Um, I think conditioning, certainly, I think I tend to get better as races go because I think I'm used to running off the bike, which 
is a lot harder than riding late in a race. Yeah. Um, so I'm used to, uh, like, so riding till failure more or less in that distance mm-hmm. is easier for me. But I think the biggest thing is nutrition. Um, cyclists in general are freaking horrific at nutrition. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think you're looking at me there. Yeah. Right. I think, <laughs> I think, and especially having done Ironman stuff, like I'm just eating more than most of those guys. So the end of races, I'm usually kind of strong, but as far as like, yeah. anything else no being a triathlon is not like make you better <laughs> uh, dirt anything on the dirt so should we talk about what looms tomorrow for Ch- chad and i yeah uh not you because of being sick yeah. um i just i got food poisoning two days ago so i'm pulling out of mauna kea that's convenient we're going to uh-huh. climb the world's tallest mountain but really that's that's kind of a i hear people the world's say that. tallest mountain it is the world's tallest mountain it it's is? just a lot of it is underwater yeah it goes real oh. far so <laughs> that's why you know i'm a little shaky on that claim but uh the exposed surface of that climb we are going to climb it's going to be Thirteen thousand seven hundred feet is the summit. <laughs> Chad just groaned. It's and a it's long day. Like a long day. Fifty-six miles of climbing, and it's just nonstop. So and it just gets worse as you go. Yeah, <laughs> yes. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. It gets steeper, turns into dirt, and really like really loose gravel toward the top. And also, it's toward the equator, so the weather just kinds to be tends to be consistent year round up there. So it's it's cold. So we're looking at like low thirties, high twenties for the forecast. For the finish, and we start in what about eighty five degrees? Yeah, yeah, right around yeah. there. Yeah, that's gnarly. And Matt, so, you're gonna do it. You were uh, planning on it, right? I hope so. Yeah, I'm here for a week after. I'm staying over in between this and uh, Exterra Worlds, so I I hope so. I'm not sure if I have the gearing. I gotta talk to Kando about uh, whether or not the my gearing's appropriate, but. Tomorrow's a busy day. Normally, I would I would definitely join you guys. Um, it'd be fun. But uh, yeah, that's definitely something that's always been on my bucket list. There was like a year ago, and actually it was in like December. I was like, I'm going to go this year in Kona. I'm going to try to get the KOM on Haleakala. And then, yeah. uh, not Haleakala. Um, Mauna Kea. Mauna Kea. And then like a bunch of super fast dudes have done it now. <laughs> and it's like, dude, and no way am I going to try to go up that thing fast because I'm still going to get Who's got smoked. the fast time? Phil, Phil Gunn does. Dude, but Rob, Rob Britton? Yeah. What'd he do? I look, dude, it's like two minutes slower. It's I don't even know if it's that. I thought it was yeah. seconds, but like in this grand scheme of things, it's like it's right there. Yeah, but the Robin thing is Carpenter. there's only fourteen people who have applied or have tried it. Yeah. And after like second place, it drops off a ton. At least on Strava we're saying yeah, on Strava. that's where it ranks. Yeah. Well, yeah. Nothing and, I mean, dude, if it's not on Strava, it doesn't count. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. happen. <laughs> yeah. So I was I, so hoping we could be like like three, four, five or yeah, three, awesome. four, five or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now looking at this, you mentioned gearing. What gearing do you have? I have uh, a 3428. Oh, yeah, that would be rough. So the same bike. But I, possible. From Grand Duro. Yeah, yeah but, I think I think definitely possible. But the hard part is like where it's steepest and hardest, it's loose and you're at freaking 11,000 feet. Yes. Which, so you're going to not have po- as much power in the body and then you're not going to have traction. Yeah, for sure. And you're going to be really fatigued from climbing that much all yeah. the way up. So what gearing do you have? Cold. 20, 26 in the front. <laughs> the chain, yeah, it's basically a poker chip for a chain ring in the front. And then uh, out back, we have our 1042 cassettes. Yeah, we're set. And so gearing will not be our excuse. Basically, there are a few spots where we'll probably be up to like 120 RPM, yeah, maybe. Out for sure. Yeah. Um, right when you get up to Saddle Road and it starts to kind of taper a bit. Yeah. But to be honest, we we went with this because this is going to be, It's I think it's something that we see cyclists do. Big takeaway alert here cyclists let their pride get in the way on gearing or they listen to phil and paul and and phil and paul talk about back in the old days having big gears you know and big men pushing big strong gears 60 whatever rpm else. sort of 180 climbs. cranks yeah there's no point uh 
gear yourself low enough uh, for the worst case scenario and that will hopefully come out to be a good day but usually when you gear for even the worst case scenario it's still gonna feel like you need another gear or two yeah. Yeah, totally. that's at least what I've noticed yeah. so we went really small with that 26 up front but banking on the fact that when it does get tough that that feels to me like an extra gear or two for sure so well, yeah, hopefully when it gets tough is late in the day we have a lot working against us at that point yeah. the fatigue the cold the altitude i mean in no way at the end of the day you're gonna be like oh man i wish i was pushing 90 yeah. rpms on that saddle <laughs> yeah, yeah i wish exactly. i had a bigger gear <laughs> yeah 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 exactly um there's so there's a section of this that is it's not gravel it's like lava dust it's, okay. yeah basically like yeah. crunched up lava rock almost yeah like. and it's supposed to be really loose we don't know yeah, but they, we're, they graded at different p- times a year too right so okay. you can get favorable you know quote yeah. unquote conditions yeah but we had a we, you guys have a i was gonna see i had it all planned out guys yeah <laughs> so many things up my sleeve i was bringing two He's wheel sets yeah. and i was gonna do the specialized 26 uh, millimeter s-works tubeless yeah for most of the climb yep and then i was gonna switch to riddler 37s when we got to the gravel place smart and it was gonna. I was gonna go to the bathroom. We have a guide coming with us with a van to help give us water. Oh, you just said Candelario. Oh, is Kando doing it with yeah. you guys? Yeah. Yep. Oh, sweet, cool. And he could switch him out for me. It was gonna be awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but then I got sick. So you guys have a all rounder choice. You didn't bring an extra wheel set. Yeah. So I, I I have one wheel set. So that choice is pretty easy for me. I just yeah. stuck with. And we actually went with a thirty C slick. But it's like a it's like a it's not quite a file tread. It's just like a textured slick. Okay. Yeah. It's a WTB exposure, and the thirty has less. Um, knurling less texture to the surface than the larger volumes. So if you look at any pictures, it's practically a slick. Like it's just barely. But you won't need as much traction if you've got the gearing too. Exactly. Yeah, right. That's what we're kind of banking on. And then the reason we went with the thirty is because hopefully it will give us a little more flotation if things get loose. Yeah. But then at the same time, it's not going to be such a heavy tire, such a big tire that it would penalize us on the road because the majority of it is on the road. I mean, I use twenty eights in my daily training and racing for yeah. road stuff for sure. So do I. Yeah. 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 And I actually, I worry that I would have gone a 28 Schwabi Pro if I were you guys, because I would, I know that tire um, has really low rolling resistance in it general. It does. And uh, I would think that the extra two, like, I, yeah. I don't know if that would make a big difference. Who knows, right? Um, yeah. I, th- I think that these are, these are a high TPI tire, which means that high threads per inch, which means that it'll be more supple, uh, which usually means a faster rolling tire, less rolling resistance. So, so that's good too. Um, but, but it's, it's an interesting it's an interesting and I guess climb to prepare for because of the fact that you go through so many different microclimates. Chad and I, we have a support car, but we, uh, we brought arm warmers, vests. We brought, I mean, everything that you would need to layer up. Yeah, we will need to layer up. Layered from next to nothing to basically ready for a blizzard. Yeah. And are you guys doing stops or is Kando handing you water at the door or what's the deal? Plan is to stop as minimally as possible. And okay. I'm really just planning on stopping once. So you're going for the KOM, aren't you? <laughs> no, and I will not get it. Yeah. Are you uh, going for a third place? A third place. Yeah. <laughs> is this third place KOM exist? It's like saying a third place whole shot. Yeah, right? no, that's yeah, fine. It doesn't really yeah. work. Um, but uh, so I think that I'm going to stop once. That's the plan. And that would be at the visitor center. I think that we have to stop there. I think, uh, yeah, but I'm not sure. Call. Yeah. So, and that's probably a good spot. I'm going to switch from a mesh base layer at that point over to, um, I'm probably going to switch over to a wool base layer because oh, wow. it's going to get pretty cold yeah, at that yeah, point. Yeah. At least yeah. it's supposed We're to. We're expecting it. So, see. yeah, um, depending on the weather, I may not, and I may just put a vest over. But uh, You guys are very prepared. Yeah. We overthink everything. No, that's good. Yeah. Uh, did you see Luke McKenzie did a triathlon up Mauna Kea? He basically did a, like a 2K swim. Road, 
uh, I don't know what the distance is, uh, 43 miles, and then ran the last 13. So you're basically yeah. just just rained on our parade because that's way cooler than what we're doing. Yeah, that's, that sounds uh, awesome. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, I mean, that. I think there was a lot of walking because it's just super steep. And yeah. again, like you're up over 10,000 feet for a lot of that. So Yeah, and when the hardest parts, that's when it's really before, the, all the way up to like 7,000, 8,000 feet, it's really not bad. It's everything after that, all the way up to from 8,000 to 13,700 when you have the least amount of oxygen readily available oxygen and it's it's so cool like i so i haven't done this yet i've done haleakala a couple times Mm -hmm. and i've had like workouts where i'm like supposed to like try to increase my power the last hour Mm. and you're at seven thousand feet and it's like really hard like my perceived exertion at 300 watts which is like ironman effort which normally isn't that hard was like a nine and a half out of ten right that's so hard so like going up from 10 to 13 is going to be pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like that. Pretty cool. That's um, nutrition, though. Are, what, what, are you guys, you put as much thought into nutrition as you have your clothes? This yeah. is where we separate. Yeah. All three us of us are different. Them. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, me and Matt are probably more in line. I, I do agree. Yeah, yeah. you probably. And then Jonathan Chad. So, you so guys, you're like going to stop at the KTA tomorrow and get some mochi and like poke <laughs> and I wish I could go? be like that guy. I want to. I can't. I have the fussiest stomach. It's uh, such okay. a pain. So, I have like I've Ben product. I have some picky bars with me. Oh, okay, sweet. So cool. I'll be yep. running that stuff. Yep. Um, I have some Cliff the nut butter bars. Uh, the I like those ones too, and that's yep. just to get some change up from shop blocks that I'll be having and scratch. So and that's are you going to backload stuff. like the shop blocks? At the end of the race, or is yes. at the end of the yeah, climb? that stuff yeah. comes later. I even have some like caffeine, like chocolate gel, and everything else that comes later. So, um, if I smart. if I had my way, I would have had made rice cakes tonight and had that stuff, and okay. then that would have been great to start with and yeah. then carry on with. Matt, why do you say backload shop blocks? Um, I would say like having more of the true sugar. solid food earlier, um, and then when your stomach's a little bit more tweaked out and you're kind of craving more sugar and that's kind of what you need at that point, just having shot blocks and gels and I actually do the opposite of that. <laughs> yeah, you shouldn't do that. Yeah. I try to get as much like sugar in as until my body goes, I don't want any more sugar. Then I switch to bars. But your, your stomach kind of breaks some rules for most people too. Like you're able to tolerate a lot. Because a lot yeah. of what we're talking about too is tolerance. Like in yeah. most cases, if people start out with a lot of that, that and I say fake, but that like the, the endurance specific stuff sure. like that, sure. like a lot of, you know, goos and everything else, then you'll get to a point where your stomach is, they call it gut rot, but yeah. basically it does not want to take anymore. And but you have very you like that simple, quick burning stuff. You have to eat a ton over the course of the, the earlier yeah, it's course. It's not a big problem. Yeah, I, so I'm, you, I'm, not. I'm like four or 500 calories an hour and that doesn't bother me at all. Yeah. But these guys are like hundred calories an hour. I mean, I'll be, I'll, tomorrow I'll be like 200, 200 to 250 an hour. That's about where I'll be. It's, I'm, I'm doing, you can super starch. Yeah. So are, are you, three are bottles you, of that. Are you counting your hydration, nutrition as calories? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I am. That's not a lot, dude. No. You are smaller, obviously, but yeah, yeah, but, and and that's kind of been like a common theme with me. I I don't feel like I I've I haven't made the mistake of running running empty at the end yeah. of a race in a long time. Yeah, with, oh, okay. with this type of strategy, yeah. so interesting. Just don't burn much. Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah, but I'm with you. I'm probably like 350, 400. Like I, would, ne- I never in races have I eat too much. Like what would you be eating up this climb? What are you planning on? Uh, yeah, big. Like hearty meal before, obviously, probably like picky oats and like maybe some bacon and whatever, uh-huh. like hearty meal. And then um, picky bars, um, solid food first. And then I've just been, I've been rolling like cliff blocks, but essentially the same thing. Like I get like, I can't remember what they're called, but at the gas station, it's like two for one dollar, like 
orange slices or yeah. you know peach rings like any of that it's the same stuff but i go to just that straight sugar yeah um and i'll do that late and that's that's what i do for that and i'd have a couple gels in case like i actually got to like a bonk state where you can yeah. get something in quick um and then you know uh whatever hydration works for you but yeah this is going to be an interesting one and Chad, you're just super starch or other stuff? Yeah, so three bottles of super starch should get me to the five-hour point pretty well. Yeah. And then I've got a couple of those nut butter cliff bars yeah. and then a couple gels. What's uh, How many yeah. calories are in your super starch bottles? Um, it should break down to probably about 300 calories an hour, I guess. Okay. And, and that's adding everything in, you're saying? Uh-huh. 300 yeah. an hour? Wow. And you're taking other Probably hydration. a little less than that, actually. You're taking other hydration besides that, right? No. Oh, wow. That is my hydration. You're just going to do three bottles? Total. Yeah. Yep. That's it's we have risky. We this is what I That's done. super risky. Like I would probably, and I'm, clearly you're that's that works for you. But I would probably, if I had, especially if I had Kando and support, and I might call them up to do it next yeah. week. Uh, I would have, oh, dude. What is it? Five hours? Six hours? Yeah, it's yeah. six hours. Probably safely six. I would easily go through two twenty-four ounce uh, things of fluid in an hour. Easily. That's a lot. Yeah. So these bottles are. What are our bottles? Trainer rule bottles. 20? There's they're twenty ounce. Yeah, so that's three of those. Yeah, so total. I do. Yeah, I don't eat or drink I a do lot. 12. Yeah. yeah, I've never like I uh, when we had Trek Case Swiss team out here, we did we had a a ride, hundred and ten mile ride where we had SAG and they were giving us water and we were like testing it out and we you know would balance electrolytes with water and I was trying to like overdo it. Yeah, and I had like eighteen bottles and dude, the last like hour I was crushing it. You were great. Oh, it was fine. Yeah. And you got to make sure your stomach doesn't go at any point in that. And like, if you're timing, you know, your intake wrong, um, you know, like eating a bunch of sugar to start. No, I, I have no problems. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Matt, I'm so glad you're here because yeah. I get so much poop from these guys about Greek. like how much water I drink. Yeah, because I'll they'll have like two bottles. I'm like, I drink three liters, uh-huh. and uh, they'll like, I don't know. They didn't. It's just thank you. Yeah, <laughs> it's, I think the bigger point is it's kind of individual, right? Yeah, Some totally. And do. bigger dudes in higher sweat rate. Like I sweat out. Stuff a lot. <laughs> <Poop> stuff. <laughs> <laughs> on the days I sweat a lot, I'll I'll definitely take on more fluid. Yeah. But did, will he have like a big? Jug I imagine of water? he's gonna. Because if that's the case, I'll I'll refill my water quite yeah. a lot. So yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm planning on two bottles an hour. So that's what I've planned on. Yeah. Uh, so or and sorry, I, a bottle an hour, and then I'll, that'll get me up. And I would and do a bottle it, an hours. And I, I would do it like I tell like I told clients this morning like I do a special needs in a race like Ironman here in a couple of days. Like take what you would go like if, if you're bonked on a training ride and you go in a 7-eleven and open the door <laughs> the first thing that you look for hot dogs yeah <laughs> that's strange <laughs> that's weird the little churros you guys right? got any churros first thing you see and smell <laughs> churros in here um but you grab whatever you go to first you put it in there just in case you need it so i'd put like if i was doing it and canada was there i'd put cokes i'd put some snickers bars i'd put yeah. um you know a bunch of random stuff in there for sure. yeah yeah that's, so that's the, good advice yeah because yeah. there's there's no gas stations on this ride we yeah. should be clear so uh we start and then after that there's really n- i mean we go through like right by the town of waikoloa that's it after that visitor center pretty much and is there there's water at the visitor center Yes, there is. Is there like a Coke machine or anything? I don't know. I heard that there, I did read one report, report that there was a vending machine, but I don't know if that's a, that's current. And I'll tell you, I'm actually thinking about going, if I'm going KOM-ish style and I feel good, the yeah. other side. From Hilo. It's faster that way. It is faster. And Kevin Metcalf, I don't know if you know that name, but he is a uh, hoss. And I used to train yeah. with him in Northern He's California. He's got the world hour record for 50-59. Yeah. 55 it's super old. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Careful. JK. Uh, but he has the record. and But I 
when I was thinking about doing this side, I was chatting with him and he said he like he walked a lot. Yeah. I still think it would be really hard to get it from him, but there's definitely it's more attainable and I think it's less overall. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's going to be an interesting one. Hopefully uh Chad and I survive. Uh I think that regardless, we are going to have some takeaways about how dealing with elevation, dealing oh, with yeah. Just constant. Uh, I think got me just the constant on my nutrition. No, I just we're gonna have to hit the mini mark for Snickers <laughs> and Coke. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. Matt, thanks for joining us, man. Yeah, no worries. We covered no, a broad variety of topics, everything from how to race an enduro or a grind enduro, yeah, all the way to how to climb, how to do an epic climb like this. Yeah, happy to do it and not talk about triathlon at all. That's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> I know, In right? Kona <laughs> before a whole lot of Ironman. All right. Thanks again. And uh, something we didn't mention at the beginning of this podcast, Matt, I don't know if you, I mean, this is a long way, but uh, you could come for this too. Saturday, November 4th at Rafa Cycle Club in San Francisco. It'll be a live podcast with Matt Fitzgerald and you are all invited, everyone listening to this and your friends. Uh, come check it out. We're going to have the, a discussion on the psychology of performance or really the uh, the mental side of things. We're, and then we're going to do a Mount Tam loop after that. Uh, it's going to be a ton of fun. Good day. They're going to have espresso. They're going to have all the different stuff, pastries. It'll be a good time. So come join us. And if you have any questions, you can always submit them at trainerroad.com slash podcast. We'll talk to you next time. Thanks, everybody. Bye-bye.